You're listening to that. <laughs> Crotch Goblins podcast. So here we are again on another episode of Damn Crotch Goblins with the one, the only Lennox, straight from Japan overseas. Even though we don't really need to go into Japan because let's just face it, Japan's a butthole country. Sorry if you're from Japan, you like Japan. I've learned different. <laughs> we'll just go with that. So let's go with how we first met all the way back onto the beautiful little island of Whippy Island, Washington. Good gosh. How many years ago was that? Uh, Somewhere around eight. Cause I mean, Chloe's nine now. Yeah, She's about to be 10. Yeah. And you were, yeah. And she was on a little yeah, bundle on you. Little, little... She's either just baby or just a little toddler so no i remember i remember you had her strapped on you so it was a little bundle i because I, I went there i first got there 2014 and i remember it was cold so either it was 2015 or 2014 and we got there 2016 okay so it was 2016 then Wait, no no i'm sorry i'm sorry we left america 2016 yeah i was like we just met and then you're like i'm leaving i'm like Pfft. Yeah, we got to Whidbey in uh, 2000, it was either 2012 or 2013. Uh, do, you miss, do you miss Whidbey Island? I never thought I'd say this, but yes. <laughs> it is dreary at times, but I feel like it makes you enjoy the sun more, you know? Those... But then it wasn't even, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, and then, you know, and then it, you have so many dreary times, you're like, oh, I can't wait for the sun. So it's like a big cycle. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't even the weather, because, I mean, I come from a place where there's only one season. So I, I appreciated the seasons. It's, it was more the small town vibe. Oh. That was hard for me to deal with, but now I'm you- missing the small town. <laughs> so where are you originally from? Well, originally I'm from Oregon, but we moved out of Oregon when I was two. So all I remember is Southern California. Oh, okay. So we're in Southern California. That's why I asked because San Diego. Oh, okay. Yeah, definitely one season. I'm in Los Angeles, though. So. Right now, yeah, I love seasons. What? <laughs> I love seasons. <laughs> I'm from Spokane, where there is four seasons. <laughs> you have the the nice spring and all the flowers and then the hot and they're like just go away and they're like oh look the fall the leaves are falling and then so coming you know to El Paso where it was hot and then less hot and then cold for like two days and then hot again it was not my cup of tea yeah blah so there was snow that one time there was snow that one time there was that dusting. I think somebody opened up a sugar powder, powdered sugar factory on accident, and it just went throughout the city on accident. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah, the first year we moved there, the first year we moved there, it, there was like real snow. And I was like, oh, my God, is this what life in Washington's going to be like? This is amazing. And so, yeah. Apparently, the year before I got there, it was so bad they were telling me because you know I grew up in I grew up in Spokane so 
we're talking desert, but with like four foot of snow at bad times. And so I'm used to that. But when I got there, it was, um, I don't even know if anyone can hear me because my microphone, apparently I was retarded and it was way far away from me. Sorry. Uh (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm a loud talker anyhow. So maybe that was fine. Uh, but when I got there, they're like, oh, last year was horrible. It was so bad because it, it wasn't just snow. It was rain snow. So it iced everything. And I guess one of the postal cars went straight down a hill. That sounds familiar. <laughs> and didn't stop. Really- <laughs> yeah. So that's hilarious. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like I was going to say, that was all I remember when you came in, had this little bundle all backed up and you're like, I need a Millie's. <laughs> i i love working at the post office to be honest i had this um insatiable goal to make everybody switch their mindset about the post office and love coming again (laughs) i i don't know if it might have been the first time or what but at some point i was telling Derek, hey there's this really nice postal clerk at the post office it's really yeah i'm like yeah she's really friendly it's like oh that's that's nice i'm like okay never mind then yeah (laughs) no she's there yeah i had i had a lot of people were like you know i used to hate coming here because all there was were those grumpy men here and i hated coming they just hated life and i didn't want to be here (laughs) so that was my goal and uh to be honest i don't miss the management I don't miss the postmaster on Moby Island. Don't have to say his name. He still works there. <laughs> well, it's not cause trouble. Yeah. No, I won't. I, I will cause trouble. I, I have no problem calling out his name. But uh, no, that's just me. I'm, I'm an instigator. Um, yeah. For the life that he, he gave me or created there for me. Yeah. Not a problem at all. But um, I, I do miss the work. Uh, like I literally have been drawn back to doing like seasonal work. I'm like, Oh, I'd really like to do seasonal. Like I miss putting the letters up. I miss sorting the packages and it's the same stuff every day. Right. But it's different. Like you get to see like different packages and I really love it when people put tons of stamps on it. Is that weird? (laughs) Like I'm like, Oh, look at all the different stamps on it. (laughs) Yeah. I always came in and needed to know what are the Christmas stamps this year? Let me see. I, you know, what I always loved is to slap down those old guys like, oh, get that, get that Hindu stuff out of my face. I'm like, well, actually, this is Diwali and it's not Middle Eastern, you know, like slap them in their face. <laughs> that was like my stamp. Don't buy it. Right. That big well, and that's why I told him to, it's like I go, you don't have to buy it. Just I'm showing you what we have available, but whatever. Or the people who come in and they're like, well, I pay my taxes. Yeah, I pay mine too. Well, uh, I'm like, what does that have to do with stamps? So here's the big misbelief. And this is for anybody out there listening. Are you ready for this? Your taxes do not pay our salary. We are not like the police. We are not, we are pseudo government. And this is a big misconception that a lot of people have because we were governed by the government, but we are not paid by the government. Here's the difference. 
we are paid by the stamps and the postage you pay. Hence why they go up. Why? Because people need to live. Therefore, our prices go up so that our people may live. So this gentleman comes in, right? And he's like, oh, I pay my taxes. I'm like, I pay mine too. And I can see in his face, he's trying to think about this. And I go, oh, you're thinking that your pay, your taxes pay my paycheck. And he looked at me like, oh shit, she called me out. And I go, no, actually you see this stamp right here. And I hold it up and there's like three people behind him, mind you. So I hold this up and I go, this stamp right here helps pay for my son's new shoes he got. This stamp and your postage that you pay goes to my paycheck, nothing else. I go, so thank you for this stamp. My son enjoys his new shoes he just got. And then you just see, he just went quiet. I was like, that'll be $5 and 75 cents. <laughs> oh, that's just, I love it. I loved it. Cause it was nice, right? I wasn't slapping him in the face. I wasn't degrading him. Yeah. It was like, now you are informed. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, um, you are a very special person in my life. At least I don't think you know that you. you are. And you have a very special story. And I really wanted you to come on because I love, and I've been following and sharing it with my husband. So my husband is through and through front to back knowing of your amazing story because I just love sharing with him. Oh my gosh, Lennox just posted. <laughs> I share it immediately. <laughs> so I wanted to let, for those who are listening, Lennox first came to me as a she and she's transgendered into amazing man. And I want you to tell me how that felt coming out and through, because you were, as you said, you were a mother and, you know, and that came through, you know, how was that? I mean, cause I feel like you're not the only, you're not the only one who may have started families and is having a hard time coming through and coming out and being your true self. Well, it kind of, I, I'm sure it would have come out eventually because it's not like, oh, this is just a thing that randomly happened or it's a thing that I was starting to question when I was a teen. No, 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 no. This has been my entire life. This is just who I was my entire life. But it took some trauma to get me to like, you know, drop the bullshit. So it's tied it's tied into trauma it's tied into when lola was born because um i i don't know when she finally came home from the nicu i guess i should i should mention huh my my youngest who was born here in japan she was 10 weeks premature and i had her via emergency c-section and then she spent some time in the nicu and when she finally came home i, I don't know that adjustment period just I just was not bonding with her. It just was not working. And like more things just kept piling on and piling on. And there was this one day, there was this one day, Derek was at work and all the kids were home and I, I just couldn't deal. I just couldn't. I was just like, I cannot do this whole shit. I can't do life. This is bullshit. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I can't let my kids see me like this though. So I packed them all away into a bedroom. I think Lola must have been napping. And I sent the other two to play in a bedroom because I didn't want them to see me like that. I was yeah. like, this is not good for them. And I'm just pacing around the living room and like, what do I do? What do I do? And 
there was this feeling I used to struggle with a lot when I was a teenager. It wasn't that I wanted to die. It wasn't that I didn't want to live. It's just I wanted to just stop. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to stop. I just wanted to magically just not exist anymore. Not by means of death, just magically have never existed. Just stop. I just wanted to stop. And that day, that feeling was just like there. It was so there that I was like, eyeing any sharp object going like, should I, should I, should I? I don't know. That's I just, like my head was screaming and I just sat down at my desk. And I was like, I, I can't. And I started just searching because um, there's actually a history of mental illness in my family. Like my paternal grandmother has a, uh, bipolar disorder and i don't know I, for whatever reason i'd always been afraid maybe maybe i haven't because listening to my dad tell it is she just suddenly went crazy one day randomly out of nowhere so i guess i thought that it can it can present itself that way it's like what what that's me so i started googling bipolar disorder i'm like this doesn't sound like me so i'm just Googling all these different disorders, kind of already knowing I don't have this. And like, so nothing is working. Like, I actually stopped and I said out loud, enough bullshit. And I just typed in transgender and started Googling that instead. I was like, has someone been following me around making field notes my whole life? Because this me. And I mean, it's not so much once you know it, because obviously at some level I already knew it. It's more like once you actually openly admit it, it's just, there's no going back. You can only go forward. So yeah. I was like, okay, so this is a thing that's happening now. Uh, I guess I have to tell people. Yeah. So let's do that. And I, what order did I go in? I didn't actually tell my husband first because I was kind of terrified. Oh yeah, that's... I told my, I told my best friend first, and she had a she had the best reaction. It was hilarious. So this is I have more than one best friend. I'm lucky. I'm lucky. I have like three best friends, but this specific best friend I call her my wife, and that's a whole nother <laughs> tangent. But I call her my wife, and she's the one I told first. It's fine. Her I have a best friend. I call him my second husband. So I totally know what you mean. <laughs> uh, that joke actually came from Derek, by the way. There's a little slip of the tongue. He accidentally referred to her as my wife one day. I was like, hey, you're my wife now. Make me a sandwich. And she goes, put a ring on it. So that, that's our thing now. But my wife, I told her, and her, it's not exactly what she said. But her attitude was basically, no shit, Sherlock. Nice of you to catch up with the rest of us. And I'm like, I was that obvious. So I was just like, like, oh, okay. So yeah, I told her first. And then after a while, I told Derek next. I probably still wouldn't have told him next, but he was about to deploy. So I was like, I kind of have to tell you before you deploy. Kind of a big, important thing. But I was terrified because, I mean, Derek's straight. He's a straight man. He's not attracted to other men. He's attracted to women. Like, 
It's not like I magically expect him to change his sexual orientation for me. That's really unreasonable and just like that's not how things work. Yeah. So it's like I figured this was gonna mean divorce. So I really didn't want to tell him, but you kind of have to. Like I said, once you once you admit it to yourself, you 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 just can't go back. Yeah. So I told him, and it took a lot better than I thought. He really did. Like his initial reaction was, he said, and I quote, "We've been through so much shit together. This isn't going to be the thing to break us." So it's like, oh. <laughs> still have my family yay and then he deployed <laughs> so he took the deployment to think about it obviously and you know he's still straight he's still straight i'm still a man so it's still an ongoing pro process but like when he first came home from the deployment after he had had some time to think one of one of his first little like this is where I'm at. This is my stand is he told me he would never be comfortable using like male pronouns or referring to me as male. He'd never be comfortable seeing me as male. Mm -hmm. I was like, cause I mean, on one side you can say, well, he has to understand you and blah, blah, blah. There's two sides to this. And marriage is two people mm -hmm. and any arguments, two sides. I have to understand him too. It's not all about me, 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 or all about him, him, him. It's about our marriage and our relationship. So I was like, yeah, I, I can see that. I can understand that. Okay. I, I can try compromise. to live with that. And some compromise. Yeah. But mister, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna call you like he, or never see you as my husband or never see you as a man. Time moves on. Guess what pronouns he uses for me now? He and him. And he he corrects people when they misgender me, Aww. and he'll he doesn't always call me his husband because that's still kind of an iffy thing for him. But he calls me his spouse, and sometimes he randomly calls me his husband. And I remember one day we we were just sitting on the couch watching TV, just a normal day. The kids were already in bed, and he's staring at me. I'm just sitting here going. Okay, staring at me and finally I'm like why are you staring at me and he goes I don't know it just I just looked over at you and you just you seem like a man you seem very manly right now I'm like okay <laughs> thank you for that affirmation <laughs> so you know it takes time it does. I, I, like I've, forgotten, I've forgotten where I was going with anything. What are we talking about? <laughs> so it's okay. I had a question anyhow. How did that finally coming to the realization or acceptance of yourself, um, how did that help getting closer with your daughter, you know, than she, when she came home? Did that help you? Maybe not. I know there might not have been more of a maternal instinct, but did it help you come to understanding or being there? A little bit more. I mean, obviously, you wouldn't have let her lack in anything, yeah, but at all. But I mean, because I know you wouldn't. You love your kids, but at the same time, did that help you come to a okay? There's there's a reason that maternal's not there. 
and what you were able to move on? Well, I don't, I don't, in a general sense, it made things easier because I didn't have to devote so much of my energy and my time to like keeping up this facade. I could just relax and focus on just parenting. But it wasn't just that. It wasn't just, oh, hey, guess who's been keeping a big secret? It was also the whole trauma of the C-section and my experience in the hospital and her experience in the NICU and just like, and that is a trauma. I mean, anyone who's ever been around anyone who's had C-section and for those who haven't, I mean, it is very traumatic. They rush you in. It's not pleasant at all. It is, you're awake for most of the people are awake with it. Were you awake with yours? I ended up, I'm really sensitive to drugs. So I ended up kind of falling asleep, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't one of those like deep sleeps. It's one of those sleeps where you're still kind of vaguely aware of things around you yeah but you're kind of in and out there's this uh brit comment i like called coupling and one of the characters in coupling has a c-section and she had a line to her boyfriend she said she felt like a washing machine and you know what that was that's kind of accurate oh wow (laughs) i haven't i haven't had a c-section but friends who have told me you know like you're there and they just put a thing over and the next thing you know, you're feeling them tug and pull and, and, and all of a sudden just that's tug, tug, pull. And then all of a sudden nothing. And then, um, I had one friend who wasn't fully anesthetic through it and she was out. I feel that. And they go, Oh, we're knocking her out. And like, it's a traumatic thing. I don't care what anyone says. And giving a childbirth is traumatic. I mean, I've been through it three times. And it doesn't get any easier. Yeah. Of course, I have to eat my words because every time I've had to, except for my first one, the last two, I've had to be induced. My water broke too early and I wasn't contracting. And so they had to put me on Pitocin. And so the last time I was like, oh, before I went, before my water broke, I go, oh, Lord, I just want to have like a real natural birth. I just want to go through it naturally. I should never have said that. Because the Lord answered. I got the epidural and I'm telling you, everybody, I felt it. The only thing I didn't feel was around my stomach and my back where normally my contractions were felt. So I didn't feel that. But I felt everything below that. I felt her coming out. I felt everything stretching. I was like in pain. And and the nurse is going, are you in pain? I'm like, yes, it hurts. And she goes, huh, doesn't seem like epidural's working. I'm like, no shit, Sherlock, you think? And she was like, I go, I looked at my husband. I said, I shouldn't have asked for this because I feel it. And then I have the experience now. Yeah, I do. I sure do. I'll take that epidural full force next time. <laughs> Patrick almost killed me. Oh, man. No one thought to tell me because Patrick is my only all natural, unmedicated, just giving birth birth. He's the only one I manage that with. And I had told them delayed cord cutting. Oh. And apparently, I started to hemorrhage. Oh. So the doctor was freaking out, going, oh, I want to respect your wishes, but I kind of, uh, uh, what do I do? What do I do? Okay, I got, I got to take care of this situation. So I almost uh, hemorrhaged and almost died from that. Oh. But no one told me. 
I, I guess because everything was fine, they didn't think they needed to tell me. But the next day, uh, when I woke up, I, a nurse told me, okay, we're going to move you to your recovery room soon. Just let me know when you're ready to go and I will help you. But I had no context. I had no context. And I'm that person that wants to be as little of a burden as possible. So I thought to myself, I'll get myself ready. I'll get <laughs> myself ready and then I'll be ready and she won't have to do all that extra work. So I got up, walked to the bathroom and like I hadn't even sat down on, I'd barely taken my pants down and just blood everywhere. And like the last thing I remember was just like kind of trying to shout out somebody called the nurse and then nurses rushing in and like there's like four of them they're taking me back to the bed and I passed out oh my goodness and when I woke up again they're like yeah you almost have it again it's like by the way you almost died in childbirth I was like could you have said something known that if I had known that I would have just done what you told me to do you and me are the same they're like don't you you need to let us know because you've had an epidural before you go to the bathroom like ah no my legs always work with epidurals and i'm always freaking out the nurses because i'm like i can walk just fine but yeah yeah that they need to talk more (laughs) i had a question and um you can answer it or not but do you feel that if you could go back let's say you had a choice in life and you could go back and not know your children and start from being and start the beginning as a boy, would you feel that that would have been easier or would you, are you happier going through the experiences you went through and, and gaining the knowledge you have in life? Well, the thing is, I think people who know me and talk to me and like they kind of tend to underestimate how badly I just want to be in the correct body. So no, and I and, and I don't want it to be offensive at all because I will say this much: I'm not offended. I've, I know I've I've always told people like if I could go back and not have known my children. I would go back and make the changes where I wouldn't have had my first son because I wouldn't be tied to his father. And that would have changed a lot of things in my life. I would have made different choices. And that's if I had not known my child, like if I could go back and not know my kid, I would make the changes where I wouldn't have my son. And I go, and I know that sounds horrible because I do. I love my son and I know you love your children. And that's, and that's not taking away from them at all. That's just saying that if I had that choice to not know my kids, again, that's, I wouldn't know them. I would make a different choice, but be able to make that different choice. I definitely would take that opportunity. Who knows, right? Because I mean, who knows what the butterfly effect would be, but you know, not saying I would not have it for me. I would not have a kid. I would end up having a kid. I just wouldn't have had a kid with that moron. (laughs) That specific person. Yeah, that specific one in that specific time. No. (laughs) I think that's my problem. I'm I'm focusing too much on the aspect of knowing the children because if I did go back and went, hey, I'm just gonna focus on, you know, going on tea and having top surgery and like 
being able to at least somewhat look right, like, duh. But then if that had happened, I never would have met my husband. Or I, I might have met him, but we never would have gotten together because straight man. Yeah. I'm interested in men. So then these kids wouldn't exist. I, I don't like the thought of them never existing. But like I said, I'm focusing on the whole knowing them. I yeah. guess if they were complete strangers or they were someone else's kids and fuck yes. Yes, please, please. I want to be on testosterone. Please, I want facial hair and a deeper voice and like be you. Please, yeah. Please, just or you know, you know, God could have created me the way I was supposed to be made. You, or, you can't God. make up your mind. Can you either have the brains and the body match, or I, I just, or God you have the purpose for you to tell your story? And for you to have amazing children. Think of it that way. Your kids are the next generation to be able to stand up for more people like you. That's one way to look at it. Your kids are amazing, by the way. Don't put that on. <laughs> I know. Don't get me wrong. It is a hard. I mean, I, I and I'm not saying this. I also think, because I love how open you are about that. We've talked a bit about on private messaging and stuff like that. But, you know, I think about children and how this is a sensitive subject for a lot of people. And I think that parents are kind of like with autism and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to put them in the same category, but what I'm trying to say is that like with autism caught early and stuff, we can acknowledge and appreciate that person for who they are. You know what I'm saying? And I feel that parents instead of finding out like you were saying it wasn't something that just came about it's something that's been there you know and instead some parents are misdiagnosing or miscalculating their children and I say that because there and I will say this there was an entire year in high school that I thought I could wear boys clothes better than boys that I could have a short haircut and manage it better than boys and I'm sure that in this day and age, someone would go, oh, she's trying to transgender. Instead of just acknowledging that, maybe I just thought I looked better in boys' clothes. Yeah. You so know, people just, it's like, you should probably try to get to know the actual person before you make assumptions. And especially with, and with little kids, you know, um, you know, it's something that we, as me and my husband have talked with before we had kids, you know, it was a big thing, like, can you really tell if a child as young as one or two can really tell if they are feeling mixed in their bodies? And there are, right? I mean, my daughter is almost two and you can tell she is a girly girl. I want that pink. I want these shoes. I want this, you know, they know what they like. And there's a lot of time too, though, where they fight with siblings or they see a sibling is getting more attention than they are and they might assume that well they're playing with trucks I need to play with trucks to get that same attention and that's where I feel that a lot of parents might be jumping the gun in fear of like with the autism thing and not addressing it early enough they might be jumping the gun and not trying to find out what the real reason is for certain behaviors that we might attribute to 
being internal struggles? Yep, I like a few things, a few thoughts. Please I don't do. want to lose track of. So a couple things. I'm trying to find a picture. I'm going to send you a picture, but I have a picture of me in high school. Okay. And that ties into the other thought because before the day where I finally just decided, you know, I'm done with this. I need to just tell the truth. Mm-hmm. High school was probably the closest I ever came to being like fully self-aware because mm. like I was always the tomboy growing up always and high school I guess is where it reached its peak the only clothes shopping I did in the girls section in high school was for my underwear everything else was boys clothes boys shoes boys hair and I do you I read recently that some people don't have an internal monologue. Do you have an internal monologue? Oh, yeah, constantly. Sometimes it seeps out. And then I, my husband's like, are you talking to me? I'm like, oh, no, sorry. That was, that was just me. <laughs> In high school, I mine had a name. And I used to call him Roger. And that, it was just, it wasn't like some conscious decision on my part. It's just, oh, this voice in my head, it's a dude. His name's Roger. So it's like, make of that what you will. Yeah. But, um. I used to, and I used to fantasize in high school all the time about, oh, hey, isn't there this surgery where they like change your like sex or something? What would it be like if I had that surgery? So that's probably like the closest I ever came to be like, hey, hey, guess what? I'm trans. But you know, back back then in like the 90s, we didn't have that kind of language to discuss things like that. So it was just me going, oh, but I want to be a boy. Why, why can't I do that? Yeah. And even then that was what it was either you're a gay or you're um, cross-dresser or, or a drag queen. Those are like your options. Really? I think from what I can remember it, and I, you never really heard of anyone being trans. Yeah. The, I was looking through a journal from back then the other day. And I found an entry I don't remember writing. And it was talking about that. And my sister had a friend who, uh, back then, she was, like, openly lesbian. And uh, I used to talk to her. So I guess at some point, I had talked to her about, oh, I kind of want to be a boy. And she had dropped the word transsexual on me. You know, that word's outdated now. They don't really use it anymore. But I had apparently looked the word up and written down the definition in my journal. It's like, that's me. And then so you I just thought that was interesting. It. Wow. So, so how did that, you know, so you came out to your husband and he came back and there was acceptance, which I think was fantastic. How did How'd your kids or how did that come out to your kids? How'd your kids handle it? Or did you take some time to navigate that with your husband on how to negate that? Well, we kind of talked about because, well, Lola had just, you know, she was still a newborn, technically. So Patrick was a, like a toddler and Chloe. I'm not. She hadn't even started school yet. She wasn't even in kindergarten yet. So we felt like it was, they were just like still a little too young. Mm-hmm. So we decided to like 
tell people that needed to know and I like came out online mm -hmm. but we kept it from the kids because we, we just wanted to wait until we thought they were like at least until Chloe had more mental maturity to be able to like wrap her head around the concept yeah so when was that Last year, she was in, she was in third grade last year. Patrick was in kindergarten. So it must have been two years ago. Two years ago is when we finally came out to the kids. And it wasn't really even just the kids as a collective unit. It was more like Chloe, because the, the other two kind of follow Chloe's lead. She's the leader. Yeah. So <laughs> if Chloe seems okay with something, Nine times out of ten, they're gonna think it's awesome and positive and great. So yeah. I figured we just need to we just need to talk to the ringleader. Yeah. <laughs> so we explained it in as simple as simply as we could, we explained it to Chloe and told her, look, if you need more information or you have questions or you just don't get it, you can always just keep coming back and keep asking questions and we'll keep talking to you about it. She's like, okay. And then we did explain to the other two that hey, look. You can't call me mom anymore because I'm not mom. I'm a boy. I'm Pater. I'm not mom. I'm Pater. And oh, the, the other two, they just kind of like, okay. And it's like that. It was just like changed. Of course, it really isn't as simple as that. It's just <laughs> you know, the initial reaction. So the approach we're taking isn't really so much as let's sit down and have this big, long, confusing discussion about things with terms. These kids are still a little too little to understand it's more like if we really need to explain something to it we explain it to the ringleader <laughs> and she filters it down in a way they can understand it. and if they have questions they can just ask they can just ask well and, and i think that's just perfectly appropriate you know and, it, and especially for for their ages you know it's just people can change their names you know especially when a woman gets married her last name changes you can change your name whenever you want and as far as they need to know right now, just the name changed. Yeah, I have found the picture. Oh, good. I'll I'll have to look at it. Will I just share the screen, or should I send it in the chat? If you'd like to share it with everybody, you can share the screen. Uh, otherwise, you can just send it to my messenger. And I'll I share the screen. It's a good picture of me. Okay, good. <laughs> So. Aha, but you've disabled it. I did? Oh no, did I disable? I have no idea. How do I do? See, this is what happens when you uh okay. Well, why don't you oh here we go. Screen share, share one part multiple. There you go. Now try it. I think I did that right. This is what happens, people, when you start learning technology. It will throw it back in your face. So, so while we're waiting on that picture, so you found solace in this horrible place we call. You know what? It's it's like it's like screw you. I'll just send it to you in a chat. Okay. <laughs> All right, and I'll describe it for everybody. So, since you've been in Japan and on the base, and I don't blame anyone for getting stuck on base at all you have started to review books and I'm totally curious on how you got started in all this because people send you their books before release. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I would say, so everybody, I would say this was a boy. If I was to look at this, I would never have said, oh, Lennox, you look like a girl. I'd be like, this is a boy. I don't know if I didn't hear. Yes. And that's a mirror on my head. I'm balancing a mirror on my head. Oh my goodness. Because I don't know why. Because it's a thing I did for no reason. And of course, my phone is like seriously whited out. But I mean, it literally looks like a boy. And I could definitely see you felt that way. And it shows. That's And so Lennox's hair is like, uh, I don't know how you would say it. It looks like a skater hair, like skater moppy head. And uh, you're wearing a Led Zeppelin shirt. And you look like I could picture you on a skateboard <laughs> in this picture. And I was probably wearing, car I had carpenter pants, like three different pairs of carpenter pants are basically exactly the same, just different color combinations. I loved carpenter pants back then. When I was in my guy phase, I could definitely, I loved wearing um, old army cargo pants. <laughs> Those are comfy though. Then I went in the military and I found out how nice they are, especially issued. <laughs> And hiking boots and hiking boots and skater shoes. Still wear skater shoes. Skater shoes are comfortable and they look nice. They're good. I like them too. So <laughs> I don't know if that can be considered boy. I wear those too. <laughs> so tell me, how did that, how did the reading thing come about? How did well, you find in, how'd you slide into that? I don't like, I feel like you're part of some secret society. <laughs> no, anybody, anybody can get arts. It's actually really easy, but thing about books is uh I didn't books have always been there I don't remember a time in my life where there weren't books I've always been a reader but I guess you know once you start having kids it's kind of hard to find the time to read oh good so golly, I yes. fell into that trap but then Lola happened yes. Lola happened and I mean it's it's hard enough having that kind of experience back home where you're surrounded by friends and family i was in a foreign country where i can't communicate with anybody and like i had no friends so it's just me and derek and the kids and my mom was able to fly out and stay for a while but for the most part it was just us on our own trying to get through this and i found that's when i started reading like voraciously again i just couldn't stop reading because it's the only thing keeping me sane and i it was like I, I was only interested in like the darkest shit possible like murder insanity dystopia all the most horrible things that could happen to a person that's all i wanted to read because it like two things it like helped me remember that what i was going through was not the worst possible thing that could be going got through like other people suffer. Don't forget other people suffer. And then also it was kind of a way to like unleash all my petty onto like, you know, fictional characters. They don't even exist. So who cares if I'm like enjoying them suffering? I'm not going to lie. I, I, I went through a really bad bout of uh, deep depression um, when I was in junior high, I was getting bullied at school by a, a bully. And then on top of that, I was having my mother um, basically degrade me. Um, it got to the point where basically I was pr imprisoned in the house um, because uh, 
other lots of things basically got to the point where I was so depressed. I found solace and found comfort being curled up in a ball in my closet. And I made a poem and it was called the dark box. And, um, the teacher thought that I was going to commit suicide (laughs) because, because when I wrote it, you know, I, I thought she was going to like it. I was like, Oh, this is a really good poem. And it was, um, you know, and it said, uh, so now I sit here in the darkest corner of my closet waiting for this, um, waiting for this world to end and another to begin, you know, and it was just, it was kind of a way for me as it felt like reading, it was like a way of equaling that makes sense. Like my feelings equaled and it was like, Oh, I'm not alone. It equal, you know, and it, it equaled out and it felt good. And then she was like, Oh my gosh, she's going to commit suicide. And then that shut me up real quick. Cause I'll tell you right now, after you get the, you get the counselor, the school, um, police officer liaison, your teacher, your mom and everything. You're like, well, I'm not talking to anybody anymore. <laughs> Yep, exactly. That's an entire another podcast we can do. I have so many thoughts about that. Exactly. Oh, I would love to have that one. We could definitely do that one again. But yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, that was the wrong way to approach that from the teacher. Yeah. But you have to find a balance. There is a balance that exists between overreacting and like people going, oh, fuck this shit. Oh, fine. I will not ask for help. Like, I will not share. I'll never ask. No. And not caring enough. There's a balance. People yeah. need to find it. Yeah. Don't, don't ask me to let my feelings out on paper and then scold me for it. Yep. That exact shit is how I ended up on a 72 hour hold. I didn't had no business being on. Like once I finally got to talk to the ward psychologist he himself was like, you don't belong here. Why are you on a hold? I'm like, well, let's get you off of this hold, but you have to agree to therapy and medication. I'm like, <laughs> that was my end goal to begin with, you dumps. Yes. <laughs> so, so you, I mean, but that, I think that was a really, like you put it though, that was a way of you to equaling, like you're saying, you know, that I think what you said the first time you just right. It was that one of those like, uh, I'm not alone. You know, I, I, I'm not the craziest person out there. What I'm going through is little. I, I, I agree with that. I've, I felt that before. Yeah. So that kind of just like got me back, back onto the reading horse. Because <laughs> still don't. I have a friend now. Like my social situation is somewhat improved, but still, I don't really have a friend group here. I still can't communicate with anybody outside of base. So it's like, what am I going to do with my time? Oh, hey, let's read. And I started writing again, like as soon as, because I've also been writing for as long as I can remember. And like ideas just dried up like randomly. They just seemed to die out. And I was starting to think maybe I never was a writer. Maybe I'm not creative. Maybe this was all a lie. But then <laughs> I came out and all of a sudden I was like, must write, must write. I need it. I need write. I, I, I have no I, people give me ideas. I will write your ideas for you. Commissions. Give me, <laughs> I had to write. It's like, oh, fancy that. Let go of this big, huge lie and creativity comes surging back. But so that's what led me to join a writing community on the Amino apps. Ooh. And people is also a reader's community, reading, writing. So you see things like book reviews there. 
And I kept noticing on people's book reviews that they were thanking like NetGalley for their arc. I'm like, NetGalley, what's that? So I looked and it's basically a service for authors to get readers for their upcoming novels. And there's lots of services like that. There's NetGalley, there's Edelweiss, there's Book Sirens, there's Gay Romance Reviews, so many. The main difference seems to be that NetGalley is where all the big names are, all the big name mainstream publishers, not really, not really the indie market. So I was really intimidated. It's like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready for that. And that's <laughs> when I found the Bookstagram community on Instagram. It's just Instagram just for books specifically. So I was like, I'm going to start an Instagram and I'm going to get comfortable reviewing books and posting reviews and posting about books. And my end game was to eventually feel confident enough to make a NetGalley account. So I started with Bookstagram. I was on there for about a year. And then I saw an author I follow, an indie author, whose books I have read in advance. <laughs> she posted about book sirens. I was like, book sirens, what is that? And I was like, oh, this is this is one of those arc things. And they work pretty much exclusively with independent authors. And it's not one of the things that intimidated me about NetGalley was you couldn't even look at the website. You can't even look at the website without making an account. Oh wow. And also I was looking at blogs on how how to make a NetGalley account. It's like they want analytics about your following and this thing and that thing. I was like, yo, book sirens. I still like I still had to make an account, but they made it seem less intimidating. And I it was like just, oh, hey, you want to read books? Can you read it by this date? Can you leave a review? Sure, here, have a book. It was so easy. It was so easy. It wasn't intimidating. It was like, this is a good place to start. Yeah. So I started uh, getting arcs through them. And uh, romance is a new thing for me. Like, I've <laughs> really gotten into romance. And a lot of those authors are independent authors. And they have their own like reader groups on Facebook. And there's a couple of them that I really like. Um, Onley James and Annabeth Albert. They're two of my favorites. And I just happen to be in their readers groups on Facebook. And they just happen, their PAs just happen to mention, oh, hey, the ARC team, we're going to be opening up positions in the ARC team. So I just happen to apply. <laughs> so now I'm on the ARC team for them. So that's great. And then there's gay romance reviews on Bookstagram. And I was like, that's pretty much all I read. I only read male male pairings for reasons. <laughs> I was like, I'll sign up to be on their team. So I signed <laughs> up to be on their team. And then eventually, like last month, sometime last month, I finally was like, I think I'm ready for NetGalley. So I finally made a NetGalley account, but I was still like, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to get approved for anything. Especially since there's this one publishing house on there that I really like, Tor Publishing Group. They put out a lot of um, horror that I like. It's like, I want arcs from them. <laughs> Request. It's like, I'm not going to get it. I got it. Yeah. I also got it. I also got uh, approved 
for another one of my favorite romance authors, Alexis Hall. I was like, oh my God, why was I so intimidated? This is all, so anyone can do it. You just got to go out looking and, you know, sign up and read books and make sure you read them by a certain date and post reviews. <laughs> That's exciting. I Yeah, I agree, though. When you have kids, uh, my friend sent me an entire series. I don't, I, I don't have them with me right now, but I was like, yeah, I'd love to read it. I opened it up, read two pages, and I haven't been able to pick it back up since. <laughs> we no. started to reread the entire Harry Potter series because my husband's never read the whole books. He's never read the books. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the books differ from the movies so much. And he's like, well, how? And I'm like, well, first of all, like Petunia, the wife is a, is blonde and fat. She's not skinny and brown like in the movies. And he's like, oh. And so we started finally reading it. I think we're on like chapter four and that's where it's been for the last like three months. <laughs> so we'll get back on there. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Yeah. And we'll get there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we take turns on it, you know. Um, but yeah, that's definitely, I'll say this, doing all the auditions and stuff have been really taking over because it's like, okay, I need you to read these lines for me, honey. You know, <laughs> Or he'll start reading it like, gosh. How could you have done that to me? Like, can you please send that with like a little infliction, honey? I really need you to like feel the moment right now. Okay. Gosh, why are you doing that, honey? Like, come on with me, boo. Cause I, I need to get this audition. <laughs> That's been so reading's kind of taking a back step, <laughs> yeah. but I love it. And um, let me see here. I have it pulled up. So if anybody would like to visit Lennox's website, it's on bookish Rex. So B-O-O-K-I-S-H-R-E-X dot WordPress dot com. And it is a pretty awesome page. I like it. I think it's a pretty good page. So, and I will also put that in the description if anyone looks at that. I don't know if anyone ever looks at that, but I do fill that out. <laughs> and then, um, well, I was just going to say, well, you know, so you guys are coming back in 20, around 2024. Yeah, are you looking forward to uh, are you looking forward to anything coming back i mean i know that the atmosphere right now as it stands is a bit uneven waters but hopefully we can get to a good good ground or a good uh sorry my glasses are glaring for those who are not just listening um you know are you looking forward to treading new grounds and meeting new friends and having more of a community when you get back. Cause I know that on Japan, for those who don't know, Japan, Japan is a patriarchal country and they are very stuck in their old ways. <laughs> well, I'm going to be happy to be able to communicate with people. <laughs> like when we first got orders to Japan, I was actually super excited. I was like, yay. Foreign, I've lived in a foreign country before, and that experience was amazing. So I kind of figured it'd be more of the same. But, you know, living abroad before you have kids and living abroad after you have kids are kind of different. But anyhow, and I'm going to learn Japanese because I, I like language learning. I had all these expectations. And we got here, and reality went, you're funny. You're No, no, it's not what I want to do with you. So, yeah, none of that happened. So being able to communicate with people and like 
I can actually leave my house and go to places and like go to a restaurant and order food and under like be like hold the pickles or go into a bookstore and just just talking to people just out in town wherever I go and being understood that will be amazing yeah it's and language I'm barrier is a so hard thing sick of Japanese food at this point I just I don't want to see another thing of sushi for months. <laughs> and they're the way they take like we're gonna take Mexican food or Italian food, but we're gonna make it Japanese. It's like I just want Italian food. Just this one time. Just can it not be Italian food, but Japanese style? Can you stop adding things to it? Just keep it Italian. And. Uh, I want in and out oh my gosh why don't go for in and out go for like tommy's or doubles but, or... But, but, but in and out oh my god i've been away from home for so long at this point i just want some in and out <laughs> you're forgetting socal bro we have in and out that's our thing i want okay. some more but Their yeah burgers are good but i feel like their fries just taste like cardboard to me i don't even remember them let's put it this way this is how bad like <laughs> I used to be like oh man in and out I need to have some animal style fries and I get them I take like two bites and go yeah I can go another year without having those <laughs> I think I probably never noticed because I kind of just put the fries into the cheeseburger oh yeah there you go <laughs> I, I dipped them in honey so I, I wouldn't notice yeah you just you just ate them with everything they met <laughs> But I, I miss food. Like, they have good food here. The food here is delicious, but I don't have options. My options are Japanese food or foreign yep. food that's made Japanese or more Japanese food. Or <laughs> options on base that are American. I cannot eat Pizza Hut anymore. Pizza Hut is disgusting to me now because it's my only... There's only two... I have, like, a burger thing there. No, no, no. The army gets Burger King. The army base gets Burger King. We get McDonald's. And I, I can't eat McDonald's anymore. I can eat Japanese McDonald's. Japanese McDonald's is amazing. So why don't but you just go over to the army base? We do. Sometimes we do go over to Zama just to be able to eat Burger King. <laughs> but there are certain, like, chain, chain places that are, you know, are, like, so American. I'm never going to be able to eat them again. Oh, but I will tell you this: it's not. It's not just Japan, though. Like in El Paso, they had to ruin like regular tacos. They served it with like a baked potato, and I'm like, why? I'm sorry, you don't have to Texas size Mexican food. They would then serve like um. They they change up pad thai. They would change up other food. Chinese food came with like jalapenos on it. Popcorn came with jalapenos on it. I'm like, why? Just give me popcorn. Why do you have to Mexicanize it or Texasize it? I don't know what you're doing here. Just give me regular popcorn with butter. So yeah, I totally feel you. It's not just Japan. They do it other places too. They get stupid with it. <laughs> And for those people who like jalapeno on popcorn, you're crazy. <laughs> but 
But I want to say thank you so much for being on here with me and sharing your amazing story. And again, I think we were onto something there and we should definitely have another podcast just on going too far and understanding limits. And I think that's great. We'll have to figure out more on that one. Is there anything you would like to say? This is your time. Um, actually, just going back to your last question about coming home, because as you said, it's actually a pretty valid point that should probably be shared. Like, there are, yeah, there are things I'm looking forward to. I'm done being the foreigner. I don't want to be the foreigner anymore. I want to just be normal again. But I'm also really terrified. I'm absolutely terrified to come back home. I'm not, some days I'm not sure I want to because... A lot of the news I get from back home, it makes it seem like the United States is a really not a safe place for people like me and my family. It's a weird, it's a weird feeling to leave the States as one kind of family and not have to worry about things at all. Cause like, you know, in your everyday life, they don't, um, they don't affect specifically you and your family. So you tend to not really think about it too deeply. Mm-hmm. now you're coming back to the states as an entirely different kind of family and now you have to think about how all of these different things are going to immediately affect you specifically and your family and uh yeah home doesn't really look like it's gonna be home to pe- to queer people and i'm really worried about the kids because i mean we're already we're already starting to have some problems with them here about Patrick is getting a little bit bullied by that's what they don't understand. If you Patrick's not the trans man, he's a little king boy. He just happens to have a parent that is trans. So like, why does he have to get bullied about it? What the fuck? Yeah. But anyhow, so when we get back home and we might we might be going to like Florida, and uh we all know what recently has been going on in Florida. So it's like how bad is the bullying going to get for my children when we get home? That's really not fair that my children are going to like be like, uh, what's that word? They're going to be a target just yeah. because of me. And that's not a good feeling. Well, and, it, and, and it's I- not, you don't have, you don't have what's what am I trying to say and it's not fair for you to have to play a different part in fear for your children for their schooling you know just for their safety you know what I mean I guess that didn't come out right what am I trying to say I hope I said that right you know like and you shouldn't have to hide who you are for them to have a safe place at school is that yeah I think so I'm like did I say that right I said that right yeah you know, and you know, you're right. And, um, you know, I usually, I, I lend off on all of my podcasts with a question, but I think that what you're talking about is a good one. And maybe instead of a question, I feel like maybe a statement would be better. And that would be, you know, or even leading off for everyone listening to have a question, a question towards them, you know, and that would be, you know, moving forward, especially for those who are not of a typical family, we need to realize that our 
our voices are not being ignored by the children and that our children are not being sleeping or not, not listening. And that what we're saying is coming across and that they are being heard and that our kids are taking that to school. And we need to understand that that has repercussions and that, like you said, your children don't need to be punished or bombarded by these bullying because of you being your true self. That's not fair at all to them. They're, they're true victims in that matter. And that when I got bullied, I was getting bullied because of me, because people thought I was a freak and they didn't understand me or they were scared of me. So they bullied me. If this is what it is, my kids aren't even being bullied because of themselves. They're being bullied because of me. If you're going to freaking bully my kid, can I at least it be about them? Like, does it like what? What? Why? Yeah. And we're in a, I mean, and that's one thing I definitely see on TV. My kids, you know, it says, you know, stop the bullying. If you see someone being bullied, stand up. But yet, you know, I don't think that's being heard. You know what I mean? Like my son was definitely one that was getting bullied. I, my son has some bully tendencies and we've addressed it, you know, like, Hey, you don't be saying that to kids. That's being a bully. You know, you may have that thought, but you don't say those things, you know, you come to me if you have that problem or you have that thought because, you know, that's not right. You need to understand why you have that thought, you know, and most of the time it's like, like, oh, that guy was dressed weird. It's like, well, why do you think it's weird? Is it because you wouldn't pick that clothes or, you know what I mean? Like we try to address things early. And I feel that that is something all of us as parents need to start being aware of. And that our comments about other people are being heard by our children. Like, oh man, look at that guy's outfit. What idiot. Our kids are hearing that. And they're projecting that onto other people as well, especially children their age. And that um, transgender, lesbian, gay, queer, however you want to say it, anyone different from us, they're still people. And they're, they still have children. They still have loved ones. They're still mothers, fathers. They still have mothers and fathers. And we don't need to be projecting more hate in the world. There's enough of it without that. Yep. Leave that to the politicians. <laughs> Even let's fight those guys too, because uh, half that shit needs to go out the window. Don't get me started on the whole Roe versus Wade and guys being bought out for their votes for going one way or the other, because... I feel lobbyists need to go out the window 1000%. But so for, for today, instead of a question, um, I guess that there's just a statement. If you, you feel like there's a statement you'd like to make Lennox or um, maybe a question to get people thinking. Um, I feel like you've addressed quite a bit and I'm, I'm not sure if I actually have a question for you today. Maybe a statement of hope, maybe someone who's uh, maybe in the same situation, who may be stuck, who may not feel like they can be their true self. Maybe in the same situation you were, started a family and feels like they can't. I guess kind of like Caitlyn Jenner and you, right? You guys both have started families. and Well, the way I see it is no matter what decision you make, you're taking on 
um, you're taking on a burden. So the real decision is you're trying to decide which burden is going to do more damage to you in the end. Because I have my moments. I have my moments where like, was this really fucking worth it? I, I like, you know, I had I hit this truth about myself for almost 40 years now. Would it really have been that much work to just keep hiding it until I died? But OK, so that's one burden, the burden of hiding it. And you have to think about the implications of that. How is it going to affect your mental health? How is it going to affect your relationships? Like, like I said, third grade, third grade is when I decided I wanted to be a writer. It's my life dream. I want to be a writer. Writer's block that lasted for about a decade where I started thinking to myself, oh, that was a lie. I was never a writer. I'm not creative. That, as soon as I came out, like I said, creative again do all the writing so it keeping that kind of thing it affects you even in ways you don't even think about so you could keep that burden of secrecy and denying yourself and letting it just eat away at every single aspect of your life and every single aspect of like your health or you could choose the burden of having to deal with other people's perceptions of you and having to live, you know, with, you're probably going to face some kind of discrimination at some point. Ask yourself, in the end, what's going to damage you more? Being able to be yourself and then just dealing with life's bullies and all the different complications or living with just like hating yourself and not even being able to express, you just I don't know. I guess I decided I would much rather just be me and deal the consequences than just eventually die without anyone actually knowing anything about me and like just having lost all these different sparks that kind of make life worth living. It's like, what's going to do more damage to you in the end? I honestly really don't think it's going to be the choice where you get to be yourself. I think that's great. And it's very true, right? Like you, you never know, especially right now, right? You don't know what's going to happen a month from now. You don't know what's going to happen six months from now. You don't know who you're going to run into. You might get to have a one-on-one conversation with one of those writers that you love so much because you reviewed it and they want to meet you. How amazing would that be? And you being your true self. What if they end up writing a story about you? You'd never know. And that little bit, like you're saying, that little bit of discrimination might be worth it to be your true self than to hide. I love it. Thank you, Lennox, so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And for everybody listening, like I said, um, in the description, please, you can find um, Lennox's uh, book reading or writing. You can see what he is up to and what he's doing and reading and uh, all the reviews, especially if you're into a new book. I looked on there, I'm not going to lie. I wish I could read or had time to read. <laughs> some of those books, some of those look pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Um, so listen, subscribe. We're on RSS, Reason, Spotify, all those other ones. Again, still trying to get onto iHeartRadio. Don't know. They don't like me. We'll find out. So 
keep listening. Thank you again. And Lonex, say goodbye to the people. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you, everybody.